0: Welcome, everyone, to our Sabbath uh, live stream. We haven't done one of these, I don't think, ever, have we?
1: Not on a Saturday during no. the
0: day. We've uploaded videos for mm-hmm. Kingdom portions, but we've never actually done a live stream. So welcome. We, we're glad that you joined us this morning. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath. How do we keep it? A lot of misconceptions a lot a lot of misconceptions both on both sides of the ditch right we've got the judaism ditch right the the side that wants you to add all these extra commands then you got the mainstream christianity ditch which tells you that you don't have to do it anymore that you just keep every day through your belief in jesus christ as the sabbath which is not what scripture says at all right they also sometimes think that the the command for keeping the Sabbath as far as just taking a day off and resting. They think that that's done away with. So that's why we jokingly metaphorically refer to it as the other side of the ditch, right? We just want to stay on the straight and narrow road. We just want to be on the road that the father's walking on the road to Emmaus with Yeshua, so to speak. So um, that's, uh, that's what we're going to discuss today with several scriptures to back up as always what we're talking about. That's, that's how we form our theology guys is through the scriptures, not through our whims, not through our desires, not through our feelings. Not through what our grandfather told us, not through what, you know, your favorite pastor told you. But we want to back up our theology and build our foundation of discipleship with Yeshua off of the scriptures. That is the call for believers. That is what we're supposed to do, to be grounded in the word. And so that we don't get off. don't We don't start twisting it like Peter warned, right? That you twist Paul's <laughs> letters because you twist the Old Testament, too, because people don't know the Old Testament. So we're going to review that stuff today.
1: Yeah. And um, just to explain. So yesterday, I'm telling you all this because I would like to ask for some prayer for my mom. Um, The reason we weren't able to upload and stream last night like we usually do is my mom um, kind of had to have a somewhat emergency surgery. She had a few infected teeth that needed to be removed. And now the infection seems to have spread to her sinus um, and her insurance won't cover a certain thing that she needs to help drain that. So she's still really swollen today, and it, we're just a little concerned about the infection. So, um, it's nothing too serious, but it can get serious. So, if you guys could just lift my mom's whole situation there up in prayer that Father would heal that for her and she wouldn't yeah. have to worry about this insurance issue, um, that would be wonderful and I'd really appreciate it. So,
0: yep, we appreciate you guys for that. Um, well, I think probably. Just as a most fundamental, because, you know, we have people that watch us for the last two or three years and we have some people that just found us like this week. Mm-hmm. So we we try to mix it up a little bit with the fundamentals. As you see me doing my podcast during the week, you know, we try to talk about, uh, you know, advanced stuff. But also at the same time, we you, you just there's such a mixed crowd of understanding, you know, people in the audience have studied the Bible all the time. There's some people that are just getting into it and just realizing what it's about. So like it's just a huge, huge learning curve between different folks watching. So we try to be mindful of that. Um, So let's just go over some basic scriptures real quick. Okay. As far as what the Sabbath is, as far as what the command is, but then we're going to get into some more detailed stuff about (laughs) how to literally keep it. all Right. So um, just as a basic command, we're going to go to Genesis chapter two. I'll put this on screen for everyone to look at. So in Genesis chapter two, we have the father telling us very clearly that he sanctified this day because he worked for 6 days and then the 7th day um he actually took a day off and he rested <laughs> and this is what he talks about right here he says thus the heavens and the earth were completed all their hosts by the 7th day God completed his work which he had done and he rested on the 7th day from all his work which he had done then God blessed this the 7th day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made so concept of you know sanctifying it and blessing it is making mention of it in a special regard that's different from the other six days of the week and this fundamental idea sweetie is where we get our idea of our seven day week that all cultures keep
1: right it's all it all starts with creation week and because our ministry um part of our calling is to help people who are just getting their toes into the pond of understanding how the Torah still applies to the walk and believers. We want to mention this word sanctified, you know, oftentimes that word is kind of just ignored in mainstream Christianity. And there's so many areas of the new Testament where that word is used mm-hmm. and the word sanctified it, to sanctify something literally means to set it apart. According to the word of the father. So it's not just a whimsical, you know, be holy without really defining what that means to be holy. It's being set apart to the father for a special purpose, for his purposes. That's right. So when we think about the Sabbath day, it's a very special day. He set it apart right at the beginning.
0: He did. Let's look at (laughs) an actual instruction to everyone who's a disciple of Yeshua, who's a part grafted into Israel. uh, This is... This is the same idea from Jubilees, but it just goes into a little more depth. And he says, and he, that's Yahweh, the creator, finished all his work on the sixth day, all that's in the heavens and on the earth and in the seas and the abysses and the light and the darkness and everything. He gave us a great sign, the Sabbath day, that we should work six days, but keep Sabbath on the seventh day from all work. And all the angels of the presence, all the angels of sanctification, these two great classes, he has bidden us to keep the Sabbath with him In heaven and on earth. And he said unto us, Behold, I will separate unto myself a people from among all the peoples, and these shall keep the Sabbath day, and I will sanctify them unto myself as my people, and I will bless them. And as I have sanctified the Sabbath day and do sanctify it to myself, even so will I bless them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I have chosen the seed of Jacob from amongst all that I have seen, And I've written down as my firstborn son and have sanctified him unto myself forever and ever. And I will teach them the Sabbath day that they may keep Sabbath thereon from all work. And he goes on to explain um, a little bit further. We'll jump into the rest of this passage um, as we go and progress. And uh, so basically he's tying directly the father sanctifying this day with Israel. That's what he means by the seed of Jacob and all who believe in faith and obedience. Who's grafted into the seed of Jacob. He's tying all that to the sanctification he gave for this day unto our sanctification. And he's saying that he and the angels, verse 18, they keep it in heaven, which is a beautiful thing. So you're not just doing this by yourself on the ground. You're literally adopting his behavior that he and the angels are keeping above you in the heaven above. Maria, thank you. We appreciate you um, for your super chat. Bless you, all your heart knowledge, and all your ways. Yeah, amen. We really appreciate you. Thank you for that. So this is the, this is Jubilees chapter 2. This, this conversation that we're reading with Yahweh is actually happening through an angel, through the agency of an angel on Mount Sinai. That's, that's why it uses the word us in verse 18 here. I'm going to highlight it so people can see it quickly. So he has bidden us to keep Sabbath with him in heaven and on earth. That's the angel speaking to Moses. So this is Moses being, being given a message on Mount Sinai during the 40 days by the father and an angel that was talking to him. Um, this is the angel that is mentioned in Exodus 23 that Yahweh says, "I'll send my angel ahead of you. Um, do not test him, basically, because he will not pardon your sins. This is a, this is his agent and messenger sent to get messages and help with protection, but he's not, um, you know, somebody that's going to be, you know, being gentle with him in a sense because he was a guardian. But also, he's like the mouthpiece in that moment of Yahweh himself. So it was a lot of reverence and a lot of severity given to this guy talking. This is the guy talking in Jubilees, and he's telling Moses, who's supposed to communicate this to all of the Israelites that came out of the Exodus, keep Sabbath. Here's why. We keep it in heaven. It's been sanctified since creation, just like we read from Genesis 2. So if we go back, we see this um, same instruction in the book of Exodus, and we go to chapter 20. In in the famous commandments that some people label just the Ten Commandments. There's a lot more here, actually, but that's a, a misconception of mainstream Christianity. We go in verse 8 through 11. It says the same thing here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That means set apart. That means sanctify it. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. And by the way, guys, this doesn't mean the King James from the 1500s used the word slavery Mm -hmm. uses the actual word slave. And we have a different connotation for that in modern culture. It just literally means servant, guys. It'd be the same thing where like back in the day where your business was at your house. That means your employees very often would stay on your property and work at your business, which was on your property. They were then considered your male and female servants because they're literally serving you and you're paying them. So this is this is where this terminology comes from. Um, But he even says for the cattle or the sojourner who stays among you, uh, which is great, because that means you're encouraging if someone's traveling and staying temporarily with you, you're encouraging them the behavior of the father as well. So uh, verse 11 says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy
1: you know, just as an aside, I, I love that this verse so clearly ties the Sabbath right back to creation week itself. Yeah. It doesn't tie the Sabbath to the first day of a month or the Sabbath to the fourth day when the moon was made. Right. It ties the Sabbath directly to creation week, which is, so should be our model.
0: My wife loves to open cans of worms that I can't get to (laughs) in the immediacy. So We will be reviewing the Lunar Sabbath theory and everything that goes with it in the weeks following, but not not today. So please refrain with all your questions. Um, You're exactly right, sweetie. You're exactly right. We're not going to be answering Lunar Sabbath questions today, guys. I will get to that in the the weeks following. We're doing a whole presentation on it. Okay. thank you, sweetie. You're
1: welcome. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. So (laughs) this is the basic command. Keep Sabbath. It's very simple. Six, seven days out of a total week. First six, work, make sure you work, provide for yourself, your family, do your best. The father will bless you over time, work hard, work ethically. Right? Seventh day, take a day off. That's that's the most basic and first simple <laughs> instruction. Instead of you working for money, working to to profit, take a day off. Okay. So where does it get sticky, sweetie?
1: What exactly is work?
0: People are trying to redefine work over time. And most of that redefining comes from Judaism, Mm -hmm. which remember I gave you the metaphor in the beginning. That's one side of the road. That's a ditch that you fall off into. And you're now off the right path because you've stepped into a realm, which is a different religion Mm -hmm. that offers an incredible (laughs) amount of extra burdensome rules around the instructions of God, which actually ends up nullifying the instructions which is what Yeshua tries to explain to us in multiple places in the Gospels. So what we try to do is try to make people aware of when some of these rules start to conflict with the basic and simple instructions from the Father. So let's run real quick to let's define, according to Scripture, what is this word, work? And we can actually find this in the same book of Exodus real quick.
1: Right. Because if we are not keeping this part in context of what the word work actually means, we can fall into the same thing that mainstream Christianity falls into when we're reading the New Testament, where Christianity sees the Pharisees accusing Yeshua of breaking Shabbat. By breaking their man-made traditions. That's right. And since Christianity doesn't understand the Torah and what's actually, what act, work actually is according to the father and not the Pharisees, they start to assert that, well, you should, Jesus himself was breaking the Sabbath. Look here, he did all these things against what they think is the law, but it's actually the laws of the Pharisees. So some people get really bothered by the fact Mm -hmm. that Sean and I are critical of Judaism. But if you don't understand what Judaism is teaching people wrongly, you also don't have very good apologetics with the Christian church, where they're trying to argue based on Judaism's traditions, and they don't realize that's not Torah, that's Judaism. So we love Jews. We love Christians. We love everyone. We want to help everyone understand scripture. It's not about anti-Semitism.
0: Yeah, we love correct scripture we yeah we, we don't like adding to it or taking away from it
1: in the same way we criticize any other religion in the world judaism is just as much fair game and should be and we shouldn't have this mm-hmm. censorship of ourselves because we're worried that someone's going to think that we don't like jews it's not about that it's just about the religion
0: our lord and savior our messiah mm-hmm. our king our redeemer came from the tribe of Judah, was considered a quote-unquote Jew of the first century, and he railed against the Pharisees and their false doctrines Mm -hmm. that they were pushing on the people. Those same false teachings are still going on today.
1: Yeah, even even in the comment, uh, I mean, someone posted asking about the Jews who say they're Jews and are not. YouTube automatically censors that comment. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's definitely a culture out there that has been deliberately set up to suppress anyone from criticizing Mm -hmm. the religion of Judaism, which you should question that, guys. Um, So that's where we're coming from as far as talking about the traditions of Judaism and why they're wrong. It's not because we have ill will towards anyone. We just want people to have better apologetics for when they're questioned about these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We uh, a lot of people don't realize that Judaism uh, comes from just babylonian mystery religion yeah. like it's it basically like i've said so many times before they take the torah they take the old testament and they they use that almost as if like it's uh you know like jesus talked about the whitewashed tombs mm-hmm. right they look good on the outside but inside they're full of dead men So it's like they take the Torah and they make a blanket out of it and they wrap themselves in it. Maybe you call it a tallit. Who knows? And then they act like they're doing the behavior of the father. But when you really get into their teachings, you realize, nope, they're not. And this is what Yeshua was reprimanding them for everywhere he went. It's still the same today. So this is why we have to go into these scriptures and actually define from scripture, not from what they say, not from what some rabbi says and not from what some commentary on the scriptures say. From the scriptures themselves, let's go and define these words for ourselves, and it will help us with comprehension. This is a part of finding context. It's finding the definition of words. So here in Exodus 35, 2 and 3, it says, For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day. That's a set-apart day. A a Sabbath of complete rest to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So before we get, by the way, the fire thing is having to do with work. Mm-hmm. Remember, guys, there's lots of people that were potters, <clears throat> clay makers. They had earthen uh, uh, kilns
1: Bread makers, where they would
0: make not just food, but weapons and metal devices and tools. Huge industry back then Now we've kind of went through what's called the industrial revolution mm-hmm. in the last 150 years to where a lot of that stuff has been taken out of the home and is put into a separate facility mm-hmm. outside of town or on the edge of, you know, somewhere else away from your home. Back then, those jobs were done in the home, and they had to light a specific type of fire in order to engage in that work. Which is why this word "work" here, translated in the English, if everyone can see this, has an actual definition in the Hebrew. So let's look it up real quick, and we can look at it all together. The Hebrew word for this for this uh, word "work" is malaka. Okay, and so this is an occupation, mm-hmm. guys. An occupation. That's the type of work it's referring to. What do you do with an occupation? That's your vocation. That's your career. That's your job. This is the thing that you earn to make a living, to make money for your life and your family. This is where you go to make profits so that you can actually prosper in life. So this this concept is he's asking you one day of the week, don't do your occupation. It doesn't say you can't help your wife clean the dishes from, from breakfast.
1: Yeah. Um, it also doesn't apply to. I'm sorry, ladies, but this doesn't apply to house housewives and stay at home moms. I yeah, know
0: that's not considered work. The
1: reality is it's a it's a hard job. OK, and we're not
0: even, even the language you're using, the word job makes it feel like. Yes, it's a, like you know, uh,
1: my mom was a stay at home mom and I saw that all my aunts were, you know, I mean, I get that and I get that it feels like work. But that it's according to the actual Hebrew, that's not your occupation. So I know I'm saying this to try and offer some comfort because I know there's a lot of mothers out there who worry and feel like they're breaking the Sabbath and that they never get a true break or true rest. uh, And they're never really actually keeping this commandment because they still have children to take care of. But that's all the regular part of daily life, guys. Father knows that he designed your bodies to. To have those babies and gave you the nature to nurture and love and care for those babies and part of that is taking care of them even on shabbat i mean yes it's a 24 7 um i guess job well, <laughs> yeah i don't know what else to call it
0: let me Duty. Jump. you're 100 right but let me jump in this is why i said it's okay husbands men yes. out there for you to offer help as far as jumping in and maybe trying to lighten that burden for her, because now you're not going to your regular earning of income and you're at home with the family. So now it gives you an opportunity to help her have a little lighter day by helping her with the things around the house or with the children or whatever, lots of constructive things to do with your children to help them on the Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could even just go old school with it if you wanted to and just, Push them to the yard and say, go play.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They're old enough.
0: Keep your eye on them, obviously. But the point is, like, you know, back in the day, the parents would just like literally shut the door and say, go outside and play for five hours. And then you had to go outside and play. You went, you went and like got water from the hose on the side of the house if you were thirsty. You just didn't keep going back inside all the time, right? Because you're not air conditioning the neighborhood. Right. (laughs) So you you guys remember these things. You're, you know what I'm saying? It's like we, this, the world has gotten us to a place. Where we think that now it's work to take care of our family. That's yeah. a mis- That's a lie that's been pushed on us through feminism, mm-hmm. through false teachings, and through just the, the new world order system yeah. that tries to d- disintegrate the family because that's a part of it is undermining the speciality of getting to spend time with the family. Right. So this is where, you know, that whole concept of, you know, making, making a meal, which is what Sabbath is. It's a feast day. We're going to go over that next. Making a meal with your family spending time with your family, that is not an occupation, that is not work, mm-hmm. that's just our our privilege a, in yeah. life, that's our joy, you know, so let's go to Leviticus 23 real quick, but before I do guys, I want to put this on screen for everyone, so that um, if you're a lot of people at this point, because of some statements I made, they may be asking a question of like, wait a minute, Sean, did you say we can make a meal? I thought, I thought we couldn't cook on the Sabbath.
1: That's like Sabbath 101 for people coming out of the church and into Torah and they immediately look at, oh, how did Jews keep the Sabbath? Oh, we don't cook. That's rule number one, even before rest from work.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I actually put together a video, guys. Um, it's called Morning Cup of Context, and we go over all these scriptures and explain to you that you can cook on the Sabbath. I'm going to drop that link in the description right now in the chat. So, you know, go check it. You you can watch this after we're done if you want a more specific breakdown on all the verses that support that you can cook on the Sabbath because it's literally part of the Father's behavior for (coughs) calling the Sabbath a feast day.
1: With all that said, I do want to interject and just say, If you feel burdened by taking the trash out on Shabbat or doing those dishes after breakfast, or if you feel burdened by cooking on the Sabbath, because maybe your day job is a line cook at the local, you know, Applebee's or something. If those are things that you prefer not to do on Shabbat, don't do them. It's okay. We're not saying that you have to do all those things. What we're saying is those things are not sin. And so when someone comes into a Facebook group and says, hey, you know, I've got this dilemma, I need to do such and such on Shabbat, but so-and-so says it's wrong, what should I do? Everybody starts giving their opinions on those things. Ultimately, The Sabbath is a delight and it's not a burden and it's actually very, very simple and we tend to overcomplicate it. So if there are things that you prefer not to do on Shabbat, that's fine because it feels like work for you. That's totally fine, mm-hmm. but we have to be intellectually honest with the text and the word being used there for work is specifically your occupation. So let's not Im- impose our view on those things onto other believers who may be fine doing their dishes on Shabbat. You know, i toss my if I've got dirty laundry, I toss it into my washer and let the washer do its work that day. So just wanted to put that yeah. in there.
0: Um, we, we can address this before we move too much further because we actually just went over this. This is uh Carly's asking about can someone explain the scriptural reasoning, buying or selling or both or neither on the Sabbath. We actually just went over that verse when we went to Exodus chapter 20, where it says, you know, neither you nor your son or daughter, male or female servant or the sojourner among you. You know, all of you guys rest. So if the sojourner among you is someone that is not aware of that he is uh, in the land of Israel or he's in covenant. And this is why that specific context or that specific instruction was for them living in the land of Israel at that specific moment. Yes, we're in the dispersion. We're living in what's called the time of the Gentiles. We're s- dispersed as believers all across the plain of the earth, under the heaven, everywhere, as, as was prophesied. Um, we're, we're currently living in the atmosphere of Deuteronomy 31 through 4. But the idea is that The reason the father would tell him in Exodus 20, not you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servants or the sojourner among you is that means everybody is taking a day off. So that means nobody would have their shop open. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Their marketplace, their shop or whatever. So that way you're not causing someone else to have to work for you or which usually equates to you having to buy or sell. It's the commerce Mm -hmm. concept of. If they're having to work for you, well, then they're earning profit. That's a clear, clearly against the work concept, right? If you're having to buy them, that means that they're actually having to do their job to sell you a product at profit to make it worth their time. Otherwise, you're just doing a free exchange at a friendship. And if you want to do that with people, that's something different. But to go out to an actual place of commerce and try to do the buying and selling and making somebody work for you against their will... Because everyone within within Israel was supposed to be keeping Sabbath. Now, the, the caveat comes in, sweetie, is where people in this culture today go, wait a minute, though. No one around me keeps Sabbath and they have the restaurants open mm-hmm. and they have the Walmarts open. And what do I do? That's between you and the father. I would you know, do your best. We've never been perfect at it because we've forgotten stuff occasionally that we yeah. needed for things. But we try the best we can to go out and have all of our stuff that we are going to need. To use, to eat, to drink, which is what we're going to go over these verses here in a minute, already prepared and in our house on, you know, on the sixth day. But by the end of the sixth day, I should say so that on the seventh day, we don't have to go out and make someone else work for us if we can avoid it.
1: Yeah, a lot of people um, harken back to Exodus 16 in the cooking on Shabbat debate, and they talk about how it was commanded to, you know, uh, collect double. The context of that whole thing was all about the manna. Mm -hmm. But in modern times, that's how we prepare for the Sabbath. We go to the store mm-hmm. and we get all the food and whatever we're going to need, if you know, so that we don't have to, you know, go to the store the following day. And actually, this question brings up a good point about the Book of Jubilees is actually the only book that explicitly tells you do not buy and sell on the Sabbath. So, Sean and I, you know, we have our apologetics for this book, and this is one of those examples of we see um, Nehemiah. Referring to the command not to buy or sell on Shabbat. And that command isn't in the five books that we have in our 66 book canon, but that command is explicitly in Jubilees. So I just wanted to add that in there that, hey, this is another proof that at least Nehemiah had Jubilees, <laughs> other than all the other people we've pointed out are clearly quoting from it.
0: um So here in Leviticus 23, guys, let's, uh, I'm sorry, let me take this down real quick. <clears throat> So here in Leviticus 23, we have um, the appointed times. And this is the whole introduction to this chapter is the Father bringing up. These are the appointed times, which are the holy convocations. They're called the Sabbaths in which this is where we get the command right off the bat for the weekly Sabbath. In addition to all the Passover unleavened bread, feast of trumpets, Sukkot, Shavuot, all these other instructions. We're right off the bat. We're getting the command for the weekly Sabbath to be maintained. Because it is a holy convocation, it's a day of complete rest, and it's a day that you don't do any work. Same with the other, the other uh, um, fat, excuse me. Same with the other sabbaths that are listed in this chapter, you don't do any laborious work. So this is where you know you just have to make a judgment call on whether you 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 know putting something in the dryer from the washer is laborious work. I, I personally don't think it falls into the realm of the definition that we just showed everyone for actual laborious work in the context of keeping the Sabbath. Um, but, you know, every family's different. You're going to have to eventually do what your conviction tells you to do. But I would just be very, very careful that we don't fall into the realm of Judaism, which if, you, if Judaism had their way when keeping the Sabbath, it's full of hypocrisy. And you literally... And people have made this joke that you just, you know, lie in bed and barely breathe because you can't do anything. You can't turn the lights on. You can't turn the heat on. You can't make food. You can't you can't walk too far across your house. You can't bend over. Like, I mean, just they they take it to a point where it's a burden and it's not rest.
1: I came across a video just two days ago on my Facebook where um, an Orthodox Jewish man was showing people how to open their hotel door on the Sabbath because hotel doors now have an electronic key thing. And uh, in Judaism, because of the not kindling a fire commandment, they've turned that into not using electricity because they believe there's if there's a spark, that's kindling a fire. So this man proceeds to show people how to tie a shoestring to the inside of the handle of their hotel door and bring it down and slip it under the door So that whenever they go out and they come back, they can pull that shoestring and not have to use their electronic key to open the door. It took him like 10 minutes to to get it all, you know, jury rigged. So to me, I was like, gosh, that's such a burden. There's so much involved in that when you can just use the key on your hotel door.
0: (laughs) While he's walking through a hotel lit by electricity.
1: With people employed. Air
0: conditioned by electricity. (laughs) Just. Yes. yes so uh, yeah the, like I said the hypocrisy that just it makes it a, a burden this is why Yeshua talked about in Matthew 23 uh, verse 4 is like you, you know you you literally add burdens to the people without lifting a finger to help them and he calls them hypocrites in the same breath mm-hmm. so the point of this <clears throat> is that the the burden there is no burden for Shabbat guys that's the whole point of Shabbat is that it's not a burden
1: yeah
0: is that the father said hey how about a day where you, you're not burdened with life, right. right? How about a day where you just rest? You just chill out and rest. Oh, by the way, what if you focused on him? Mm-hmm. That's that's usually what Shabbats are about. Same thing with the appointed times that we were just looking at in Leviticus 23, right? When we're looking at the Passover, looking at the Shavuot, the Feast of Trumpets, all this stuff points to the coming of the kingdom of God. All of it points to the Messiah. All of it points to the Father's goodness toward mankind. Same thing with a weekly day of rest. Just take a day of rest. It's a holy convocation. It's a set apart day of meeting with the Father. So that would imply your thoughts, your heart, your intent is to be focusing on the Father.
1: Um, and I want to point out that what the Bible calls a holy convocation, we tend to refer to as a feast day. Yeah. You won't see that term feast day, you know, and I mean you might in some translations. I don't know them all, I guess, but just keep that in mind when you're thinking about this not cooking on the Sabbath thing. The Sabbath is literally the first feast day listed on his chapter of these are my feast days. These are my holy convocations. These are That's the right. days that you get together, you feast, you you enjoy your time together. Um, and I, also, um, just to bounce off of what Shauna is saying about how this day is about focusing on the Father, sometimes that can get people into uh, an area of confusion and what I would consider... Legalism in the negative sense of things like weddings, funerals, uh, family members, birthday parties, things like that. Um, There are a lot of teachers out there who will tell you you are not to go to someone's wedding on the Sabbath because that takes all the focus off of the father and puts that on the bride. That's her day, not the father's day things like that. If it's a distant relative or a friend or something, you know, that's one thing. If it's like your daughter, your niece, you know, someone close to you and you're going to actually highly damage your witness with them. When you tell them I'm not coming to your special day because it's the Sabbath and I'm not allowed to do that. Well, there's no commandment against family gatherings on the Sabbath. If those gatherings don't involve you buying, selling, being served uh, by someone, uh, things like that, then I don't see any reason why you can't go. I mean, especially if there's a a funeral of a, you know, close someone close to you and things like that, you know, we got to remember that, uh, this, the, the, the point of this commandment isn't to cut us off from our families and give us an opportunity to make our families feel, uh, condemned and, and like they're not, you know, they're somehow not doing something right because they have some sort of an event that they're doing on that day. Now, if you personally just have a serious conviction about it, because, Well, that wedding requires all these things to be going on that, you know, people are being paid for, blah, blah, blah. That's between you and the father. But ultimately, I'm telling you these things because I don't believe that we should be imposing our position on those things onto other believers when that stuff is not written in Scripture as sin. We can't call something a sin that's not called sin in the Scriptures. So, again, it's totally between you and the father. If you're married, your husband, your wife, your, your family situation, how you guys feel on that. Um, but ultimately, there's no commandment against those kind of gatherings on any of the Sabbaths.
0: Like we talked about before from Exodus 20, you know, the idea of not making your son or daughter, female servant or sojourner among you work. That's you not imposing yourself on them to make them work. If they're not choosing to obey the Sabbath on their own, you can't make them like this isn't something that. <laughs> We're not inside a government structure of Israel back in the day where they actually had the judges and the priests doing the judging and the the judges at the city gates to settle matters and disputes and to actually enforce Torah behavior in all regards for all people within the covenant, quote unquote, the Constitution of Israel. Right. So that's where, you know, your son may not abide in Sabbath with you. And then he's trying to the only day he could get off work to even hold his wedding is on a Saturday Saturday. And you're going to create lifelong strife because he doesn't even understand the Sabbath or want to keep it at this point in his walk. And you refuse to go to his actual wedding. You know, to me, that falls into the realm of, for one, you're you have to keep Sabbath. You have to keep Torah in your heart. You can't force not other people to keep. That's a decision they have to make. And two, Yeshua said, it's good. It's OK to do good on the Sabbath. Right. So if you're blessing a relationship, if you're not causing him to actually work for profit for you personally, but you're blessing that relationship and trying to show him love, you're doing good on the Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? This To me, it's, Yeah, I've seen some I've heard some very bad, very religious teachings on that as well. And it just creates a lot of family strife within people because they get so legalistic about how to keep the Sabbath and it's not supposed to be a burden.
1: Right. And I'm pretty sure Jubilees tells us that the actual wedding feast for Jacob and Leah was a seven day feast. I'm
0: actually trying to find real quick. I I thought I could I thought I remembered exactly where it was, but I, I guess not. But you can keep going. I'm sorry.
1: That, that was all I had to yeah. say. Um, I, I'm i pretty sure I've seen that uh, recorded just as a cultural thing for the Israelites for time immemorial as far as their, their weddings weren't just a one-day thing. Um, not that that, you know, equates itself to scripture, um, but I just pretty much what I...
0: Well, it, it definitely, to me, it would it'd be very fitting because of the, the Unleavened Bread, seven-day feast. That's
1: true.
0: So it's... Uh, and first and last day are special, so.
1: Pretty much, I just want us all to cool it on each other as far as how each other keeps Sabbath, you know? I mean, if someone's blatantly working, you know, and they haven't even bothered to try and find some kind, you know, some kind of alternative to whatever their work situation is, and they're asking about those things, okay, offer that advice, but, you know, I've seen some people who, someone posts about the soccer game they're watching on the Sabbath, and people get on his post and start telling him he shouldn't be watching soccer on the Sabbath. Maybe that's not something I would watch on Shabbat. Personally, I don't feel that honors the father, but I'm not going to go tell another person, you know, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, first of all, it's none of my business. Second, I can't back it up with scripture. So that's really the, the, the main issue.
0: Um, I'm going to try to address a couple questions real quick okay. before we keep going. Sure. Um, Carly's asking, does someone know which calendar we keep? Everyone asks us this like weekly. we probably more than weekly. We probably get yeah. this question several times a week. Um. Guys, we, we don't keep Judaism's calendar. Uh, we keep like the Enochian Jubilees calendar, which is a 364 day calendar that has um, obviously all, you know, all the same feast days that are listed in scripture. But also we understand the proper new moons and we don't take Judaism's reinterpretation of the new moons. We take Jubilees's interpretation. You guys, remember the book of Jubilees was rejected by the Pharisees of Judaism in the first century AD. Same with the book of Enoch, because they changed the calendar from going from a solar model to a lunar model. So this is why there's so much lunar Sabbath mm-hmm. confusion today. Please hold your comments and questions. I will do an entire video on this in the following weeks. Like I said earlier, uh, it's already in the works. And so this is why there's so much confusion on that. But we we keep a uh, what's called to an Enochian Jubilees calendar. And uh, there's a, a ministry that's already put together a fun, easy graphic to go look at. It's myhouseministries.com. Um, if anyone's watching, if you want to drop that link in the chat for, for Carly or anyone else that wants it, myhouseministries.com, click on the calendar they have. Now, full disclaimer, we love the brothers over there, but they've added some things into that calendar that we don't specifically keep, like some of the things from the temple scroll. But um, but as far as the ones that you do find in Enoch Jubilees and just the main can of 66, those, those basic feasts, um, including the four new moon feasts, we do keep those to the best of our ability. So that's the calendar we follow.
1: The calendar is something Sean and I are much like with the Sabbath. We're very relaxed and laid back about it because we understand there was prophecy about confusion happening regarding the calendar and Mm -hmm. things getting all wonky. And we trust Yeshua's going to reset it when he comes back. He knows every single person's heart who's trying to keep his feast, the best way they understand. And so we don't get hung up on, is this actually really the right true day? We don't, we don't worry about that. His commandments are not burdensome. So sometimes there are things you just have to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm not going to understand that and know that for certain until I'm in the kingdom with him. So I'm going to do it to the best of my understanding now Mm -hmm. and trust that he knows my heart.
0: If we come to some sort of definitive understanding in the future, because we find that missing piece of evidence that just 100% nails down the exact day every year and how to easily, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We don't have that, unfortunately. It's been lost in antiquity to the best of our research so far. Sure. So this is where we just, like she said, we don't make it a burden. We don't We don't impose our calendar on other people. We just do what we feel convicted to do with our study and our research. Real quick, another question. People are asking about Tobit Um, there's some conversation about Tobit in the, in the scriptures and I'm not sure why, or in the chat, I I don't know what's going on. i just want to quickly say, go to honor of Kings season two. It's in my playlist. And we do several episodes on the full book of Tobit and break it all down for you. Honor of Kings season two playlist. And you can see us break down the entire book of Tobit. Um, Stephen Schofield is asking, is there a distant limitation for travel on Shabbat? I've never seen one that's it's mentioned as a fair rule in the book of Acts But that is not actually instructed in scripture. Um, I mean, we actually see. um, No, I've never seen a specific command that you can't travel a certain far away. But this is actually going to bring us into the next portion of what we want to talk about, which is Jubilees, chapter two and Jubilees, chapter 50, Mm -hmm. where it actually goes over specifics about some some ways that you can keep Sabbath and honor the father and make it sanctified. So let me jump to Jubilees two real quick and we'll go back to these verses that we were reading earlier. All right, so I'm going to go to these real quick. And this is where we just read from earlier about the Father saying that, you know, they keep it in heaven with the angels and it's given to all of Israel to keep as well. And he says, verse 21, Thus he create a sign in accordance with which they should keep Sabbath with us on the seventh day to eat and to drink and to bless him who has created all things as he's blessed and sanctified unto himself a peculiar people above all peoples, that they should keep Sabbath together with us. And, sweetie, the reason why I love this passage in verse 21 is because it's what we were just talking about. Leviticus 23.3, Sabbath is a feast day. Mm-hmm. That's what that word Holy Convocation means yep. in translation. It's a feast day. This is exactly what verse 21 of Jubilees 2 is telling us. Verse 22 says, and he caused his commands to ascend as a sweet Savior, acceptable before him all the days. Verse 23, there were two and 20 heads of mankind from Adam to Jacob and two and 20 kinds of work, work to be made until the seventh day. This is blessed and set apart, and the former <laughs> also is blessed and set apart. This one serves with that one for sanctification and blessing. Um, he goes on to explain a little bit more about not doing any work and the penalty within Israel, especially when they actually had a government set up with their own nation. The judges, if someone was intentionally breaking Sabbath to try to work for profit, there was a death penalty involved if they wanted to rule that way. But it goes on to explain here in verse 28 through 31, and everyone who observes it and keeps Sabbath from there on all his work. That means he stopped working for profit, right? Mm-hmm. The vocation, the occupation. They will be holy and blessed throughout all days like us. And the angel is saying, if you do this behavior, you're going to be blessed like we are. That's pretty cool. You get the blessing that angels have, right? Verse 29, declare and say to the children of Israel the law of this day, both that they should keep Sabbath thereon, that they should not forsake it in the error of their hearts, and that it's not lawful to do any work thereon, which is unseemly to do thereon their own pleasure, that they should not prepare thereon anything to be eaten or drunk that's not unlawful to draw water or bring in to take out thereon through their gates any burden which they had not prepared for themselves in the sixth day of their dwelling. This is the part where I made the entire video with a lot of scriptures, not just this scripture, but with a lot of scriptures about the ability for you to actually cook on Shabbat. What this passage just told us is they should not prepare thereon anything to be eaten or drunk that's not unlawful to draw water, to bring in to take out through their gates any burden that's what we're talking about the preparation
1: back then back then was the
0: preparation you had to actually go hunt your meat Mm -hmm. or had to go to the meat market and buy it you had to literally go to the edge of town to the well and draw water and bring it back to your house the whole purpose was you get all that stuff done before time because as we just read earlier the sabbath like the angels are saying was made so, so that you could eat and drink yeah Right? It's a feast day. It's a feast day. And just like the priests are cooking actual food on the Sabbath, which is a part of their sacrifices, they did, just like they do in heaven, it's a day of relaxing and feasting with the Father. That's that's what a sacrifice is is making a meal with the Father. So that's why Jubilees chapter two. The wording seems a little bit strange. Again, I go over this in spades with lots of other scriptures. We're not focusing on right now. In that video, I already mentioned and referenced earlier. Please go see. It. It's called Can I Cook on the Sabbath? And it's under my playlist, on Morning Cup of Context, or just type in "Can I Cook in the Sabbath?" And YouTube search bar with Kingdom of Context, it will pop right up. Okay, so basically, right here, it's just telling you to draw water, to bring in and take out through your gates. Not don't don't bring in or take out any burden. Again, that's related to your work, your occupation, uh, which you've not prepared for yourself on the sixth day of your dwelling. Meaning, get all your work done. Yep. Even get your 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 grocery shopping done. Get all your stuff done, and then you're good. Okay. And then the whole they shall not bring in or take out anything from their house uh, on that day, for that is more holy and blessed in Jubilee day of the Jubilees. On that, on this, we kept Sabbath in the heavens before it was made known to any flesh to keep Sabbath there on the earth. The creator of all things blessed it, but he did not sanctify all peoples and nations to keep Sabbath, but Israel alone. That means you got to come into covenant, you got to yes. be in faith and belief before you start doing this. Yeah, right? people
1: who don't like the book of Jubilees use this particular verse as a reason to discredit the whole book because they're trying to say. How dare this book say the Sabbath was given to Israel? But it was because anyone who's keeping the Sabbath—that's the sign of the covenant right. with the God of Israel.
0: That's right. So you
1: become grafted into Israel. So yes, the Sabbath is for everyone who wants to come into covenant and be right. grafted into Israel. So right.
0: if you don't want to, you don't have to yeah. keep Sabbath, right? So that's just a, that's and father makes it again. It's not a burden imposed on anybody that doesn't want to do it. It's, it's not a burden at all, you know, so don't let the devil twist it. Don't let the enemy make it something. It's not. Yes,
1: This is actually another verse. Um, talking about taking a burden in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. That verse is quoted by, I believe it's Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we have a verse that a prophet is a prophet and priest mm-hmm. is quoting that is not found in the five books of the Torah. Well, what we call, the five books of Torah. Yes. So just another nod to Jubilees being a valid text that was being read and studied by prophets and priests at the time.
0: You know, I, you said Ezra, um,
1: was it? Oh no, it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremiah Jeremiah
0: 17. Let me see if we can go to it real quick and we'll find.
1: So if Jubilees is not scripture, then we have a problem because Jeremiah is quote, adding to Torah by talking about a commandment that isn't technically listed in those five books.
0: You're, of course, being facetious being, and rhetorical yes, because that's not. Let's yes. be very clear, clear here that Jeremiah is not adding to Torah. This was already a part of God's because instructions on Mount Sinai Jubilees to Moses Torah. because Jubilees <laughs> is the conversation between yeah. the angel and Moses on Mount Sinai. So this is why it's, it's this is why you see a prophet talking mm-hmm. about it uh, later on. I just have to find the verse real quick because um, I don't remember exactly <clears throat> which one it was. This He's talking about the Sabbath instructions. I'll just read it real quick right here. Um, am I still yes, sharing yes, this on the screen? Yeah, here we go. Thus, the Lord said to me, go and stand in the public gate through which the kings of Judah come in and go out as well as in the gates of Jerusalem and say to them, listen to the word of the Lord, kings of Judah and all, all Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem who come in through these gates. Thus says the Lord, take heed for yourselves. Do not carry any load on the Sabbath day or bring anything in through the gates of Jerusalem. You should not bring a load out of your houses on the Sabbath day nor do any work, but. Keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your forefathers. Guys, this is not in Exodus. It's not in Numbers. Mm -hmm. It's not in Deuteronomy. It's not in Genesis.
1: Not Leviticus.
0: It's not even in Leviticus. It's only in Jubilees. So we have a prophet quoting Jubilees. Is it any wonder because during the same time period, archaeologists mm -hmm. have actually found a little pegboard that they kept the calendar from Jubilees in ancient Israel dated back to the days of Jeremiah. So this is again, like I said earlier, the Pharisees of the first century during the days of Jesus. They told people to stop reading Jubilees and Enoch because they disagreed with it and they were switching to a lunar calendar. So this is this is a huge contention. I'm going to do a video on it. Just want to tease it out there. So to give you a little understanding of why you see stuff that Jeremiah is saying that lines directly up with Jubilees. Mm -hmm. Yet modern day Pharisees and Pharisees of Jesus's day will tell you don't listen to Jubilees okay
1: and um just so just to touch on this act of carrying a load Sean and I suspect this is probably related yeah. to trade yeah buying and selling yeah.
0: which is why you come to the gates of the city sure
1: yeah. um we've in the past we kind of thought maybe it just means if you have if you're moving like literally yeah. moving from one house to another don't do that on the Sabbath yeah
0: like one day I wanted to take something out to the garage right you know and I was like no it's the Sabbath I, I don't is that breaking jubilees to move right. a burden out of your house but then I was like I had to look at the context of Jubilee's all talking about doing occupational work.
1: Right. And especially this chapter of Jeremiah and what he is specifically addressing with the problems that the children of Israel are having. And they were just pining for the Sabbath to be over so they could get back to work and making money. So if you feel convicted not to move on Shabbat and you have the opportunity to schedule around that, go ahead and do that if you just want to be yeah. safe about it. Cause the words aren't explicit, but Sean and I are pretty sure, especially cause it's talking about carrying a load on the Sabbath. Yeah, We're pretty sure it's referring to trade. So.
0: Yeah. Taking, taking like an old mattress out to the curb because yeah. it, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, you're not making profit out of that. That's right. not an occupation that you're doing um, unless you're a professional mover. Then of right. course don't do that. <laughs> Take your day off on the Sabbath. If, yeah. if you're, you know uh, if you're a disciple of Jesus, but You know, that's we're just trying to bring all this stuff into context, which is what Jubilees 2 is is also referring to this concept of, you know, bringing in to kind of your house, Mm -hmm. not doing any work there on, which is why the word work is mentioned so many times. Okay, so let's go to Jubilees chapter 50 real quick. where We're going to get even more explanation. And let me warn you guys
1: (laughs) about that can of worms.
0: This is where it's going to get, if you're still watching, we've been 48 minutes in. So if you're still watching this, it's about to get really interesting. Okay. (laughs) So you're about to be rewarded for sticking with us longer than 30 minutes. You ready?
1: Chat's about to get wild.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys ready? Let's go to Jubilee's chapter 50. And we're going to, he's also (coughs) talking about the Sabbath. Uh, Let's just start right here. And we'll keep going to the bottom, but we'll just start right here for now, okay? It says in verse 6 of Jubilees 50, sorry guys, it says, And behold the commandment regarding the Sabbaths, I've written them down for you, and all the judgments of its laws. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no manner of work, you or your sons, or your men servants, and your maidservants, and all your cattle, and the sojourner also who is with you. And the man that does any work on it shall die. Whoever desecrates that day, whoever lies with his wife. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes, guys, this is saying don't have sex on the Sabbath.
1: We just lost half our subscribership.
0: <laughs> don't have sex on the Sabbath. Well, why, over why? That. well we can stop right here because okay. we're going to, we need to. What,
1: All right. Yeah. Why,
0: why, sweetie, do you think that the instructions for Sabbath would say, refrain from sex with your wife because you're not having sex with anyone else. Right. So refrain from <laughs> sex with your wife on Sabbath.
1: Um. Okay. Well, if we go back into uh, Leviticus, the mm-hmm. cleanliness laws and the act of coming to the tabernacle with sacrifices and for Holy Convocation means gathering. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, the, the Sabbath day is mainly about rest, but people also gathered to worship at the temple. Now, worship involved sacrifice. Right. So people were able to bring their... Sac- I mean, if you were working all week and you needed to bring a sin sacrifice, Sabbath was probably the day to do That's that to because do you were off of... Yeah. You know. Um, so if you had any kind of emission, and especially with intercourse you were okay. unclean
0: okay so and not able to go i apologize to interrupt you i just, you said the word omission you said it the way you said it so fast discharge, i don't know if, I should say. yeah if any and if any fluids <laughs> coming out of your body in, pertaining to sex
1: yes just
0: want to be clear um, for people.
1: i guess um modern versions called a discharge and yeah. shauna are like what exactly okay we'll just we'll just put anything you know if you got a right. runny nose maybe don't go to ta- the tabernacle that day um But the cleanliness laws would actually make it impossible for you to go and do your worship on the Sabbath at the tabernacle that day because you weren't in a situation to actually be able to approach the tabernacle. So being unclean in in and of itself and the act of intercourse with a a man and a wife who are lawfully married, that is not sin. That is not wickedness, but it renders you into a, a physical state. Where you, If you approach the tabernacle, you could be a grease spot like that because you're unclean and you're going into the presence where the glory cloud of the Father well, is going to be. You,
0: yeah, in a severe sense, like in the tabernacle that's in a meeting At with, that the, time, with yeah. the angel that was hovering above it, that was, <laughs> yeah, yes, you, you, some bad things could happen. But we also talked about this in our leprosy videos. Mm-hmm. This also could cause the leprosy to break out on you or your clothes. Um, if you came unclean before the tabernacle, which is God's holy presence mm-hmm. and you're unclean, So this is why the father, for your own good, for your own benefit, was like, hey, this act, even though it's good with your wife, even though it's appropriate, even though it's not sinful, this act will make you unclean. And that may not be good for you if you come into my holy presence. So therefore, this is why you would not want to have sex on the Sabbath, because normally you went to you're trying to keep it set apart, right? Not to do your own pleasure thereon, right? Yes. Sex with your wife is your own pleasure. Let's just be real about it.
1: I mean, we should, okay. So we have a question in the chat about, we don't have a tabernacle now. So isn't it okay?
0: Right. We're Eating good.
1: pork makes you unclean. You couldn't go to the tabernacle if you ate pork. Now it's very easy for all of us to say, well, pork just isn't food. But still the father lists that as something that makes you unclean. He's He, he acknowledges there may come a time where you do that. Right. Okay. If that happens, you're unclean. All of us agree we shouldn't eat pork the point that i try to get to with this ultimate topic for me personally why it's a conviction of mine to go ahead and follow this even though we're not at the tabernacle that act takes my mind completely off of the father and places it solely on pleasuring the flesh right. and it's that's not it's not Again, between a married couple, that's not a sin in and of itself. But if we're talking about setting his day apart and making it different from right. all the other days of the week, we've got six whole other days that we can engage in that activity. Must must we save it for the 24-hour time period of Shabbat? Does it have to be done on that day? Um, the, the same people who will tell you not to go to a wedding on the Sabbath because it takes your focus off the father and puts it on the bride... possibly also tell you to reject jubilees because it says not to have sex on shabbat and that's how dare jubilees say that that's so wrong for for it to be said um there's also the aspect of the sabbath being a prophetic foreshadowing of the kingdom
0: that's that's what i was going to say guys all this stuff all this stuff whether you're not eating pork whether you're not having sex whether you're um you know all the all the things that that um would make you unclean Mm -hmm. did that keeps you from the the temple of God, the presence of God. That's what the kingdom is called, and the, the New Jerusalem is considered the you know the tabernacle of God that comes down to the earth and is among men. So the whole idea is, when you're resurrected, you're glorified immortal body, and you're living in the kingdom. You won't have emissions from your body. You won't be having sex. Yeshua tells us no one's getting married yeah. at the resurrection. You don't you won't need the need for marriage between men and women won't be there anymore because you're immortal now. So there you're not marrying anybody at the resurrection. So there is no sex for anyone because you're not having sex outside of marriage. That's for sure. That's what the rebellious angels did. And that's why they're being destroyed in the lake of fire. So as well as you're not working for profit, Isaiah 55, the spirit, the bride says, come all you who want milk and meat. Buy without food, buy without cost, because, you know, you get the free water of the river of life. You get the free medicine from the leaves of the tree of life. The saints get the free food of, the, of everything within the garden, including the fruit from the tree of life. So you're not working for profit. You're not working for food. All your food is already gathered into his tabernacle ahead of time. All the water is already gathered. Remember, we read this uh, information here about drawing your water, bringing your food in, not carrying a burden in or out. You're not going to be doing commerce from within the New Jerusalem outside of the city. All you're going to be doing is the behavior of Jesus Christ. You're going to be if there's anything that you might be doing on the Sabbath, that is that someone would consider work like getting your donkey out of a fallen, fallen into a well. Mm -hmm. Like Yeshua talked about is you and your resurrected glorified body moving like Superman speed out to go save somebody who is one of the mortal survivors of the nations that's repopulating the earth outside the city, and you're sent on a mission to go help them or save them or do something for them, just like angels are sent on a mission to do good for the Father as agents of the Father to mankind, to those who are inheriting salvation, we'll be in that exact same role in the priesthood that we are um, resurrected into underneath Yeshua's authority when we're living in the kingdom. So keep that in your mind as we read these instructions. There's no marriage, and there'll definitely be no sex in the kingdom. So this is practice regardless if there's a temple on the ground or not you practice all the other torahs, mm-hmm. all the other instructions yes.
1: yeah okay so the slippery slope with well there's no tabernacle now so we don't yeah. have to worry about intercourse on seven okay then we don't have to worry about any of the feast days guys right because every single feast day all the holy convocations we're required to bring things to a temple in the in the land for all yeah. of those so if we're gonna say well, I can have intercourse with my spouse on Shabbat because I don't have to worry about being unclean. That may be true. Technically like women who worry about um, their monthly periods and, oh, they can't sit on the same couch as their husband. Some women have whole separate beds and things like that because they think they're not supposed to get someone else, make them unclean. Those commandments aren't about, well, it's bad to become unclean. Don't let anyone become unclean. All you women separate yourselves so that no one becomes unclean. It's what happens when you inevitably become unclean? Here's what you can't do. Here's what you can do. Here's how long until you can come back and do these things. So it's about balance. You can be relaxed about some of the cleanliness laws in the sense of, all right, these are things that it's not wrong for my husband to sit on the same couch as me. I mean, the scriptures don't say don't sit on the same couch. It just says what happens when you do sit on the same couch, but also trying to balance, you know, how you're actually honoring the things that we can't do according to the letter while Mm -hmm. we're in the dispersion, we should still be trying to honor those things in the ways that we can. If you feel convicted to have a separate chair during your monthly times, I'm not knocking it. Okay. Um, But also that can get into some of the being way too, you know, legalistic and concerned about things you don't necessarily have to be concerned about. So which leads
0: perfectly into the statement on screen. Okay. Which is, Hunter Esperanza, Anderson, yes, um, I agree. We should be concerned when it pertains to what the context of what we're talking about. So, yes, like we're just talking about, the idea of practicing this behavior that we'll be experiencing eternally in the kingdom. And one of those is keeping the Sabbath. And one of those instructions for keeping the Sabbath is not having sex. And that's something we practice and discipline as a part of our discipleship. That word lends to discipline discipleship in Yeshua Mm -hmm. is that married couples would refrain from sex while they're resting and focusing on God on the Sabbath. So this is where you would practice being clean, but don't let that take you into a place where you say, if it's not Sabbath, that you're refraining from your husband's need for intimacy, because suddenly you you think, oh, we got to be clean. I don't want to be unclean. Like, don't let it turn you into a hypochondriac. Right. That's not the idea. That's going overboard into a ditch. Right. So we want to stay on the straight and narrow because the scripture tells us, you know, Mm -hmm. the man and woman should come together. Paul even instructs us that if you should take any separation and sex between a married couple, let it not be for too long. Lest one of you becomes tempted. Right. So this is this is a very big deal. So this is why we want to treat this with as much care and concern as possible. Yes. Being in this specific context, focusing on becoming clean or staying clean, I should say. During the Sabbath, so that you are just practicing for what you'll experience in the kingdom. Um, Yes, we're not in ancient Israel. We don't have to go to a temple with sacrifices and be clean to be checked by a priest. But at the same time, we're practicing now for what's going to come to fulfillment in the kingdom come. With that, we don't want to go overboard and become a burdened where now. Anytime we think it's unclean that we're, you know, that we've got some. We're in sin or something. Yeah. So because if you go into Leviticus 14 and 15 and you see the other things that make you unclean. Yeah. Suddenly, if you take that too far and because you don't you don't remember the context of them having to come before the presence of the Lord at the tabernacle or the temple, which we cannot do right now. You may take that too far into your life today. And then suddenly you're literally going to stay at a motel every time you have your monthly time, your woman time. You see what I'm saying? So this is where people take this too far, but we try to keep it in the context of the, uh, of the instruction. That is how you have comprehension. That is how it makes it not a burden. Keep it in the context of what the father's talking about. So
1: yeah. Last thing I'll say on this topic, and then we'll finish the whole passage and go through the other list of things not to do and to do. Um, I think most of us understand the concept of treating this day differently in terms of the things that we do throughout the day. So Uh, By that, I mean, a lot of us won't watch the things that we normally would watch on our YouTube apps or television. If you have television, Um, a lot of us won't watch those things. A lot of us won't do movies on that day. You know, a lot of us, um, there are just certain things that uh, seem more secular and worldly and more about. Our, our flesh and, you know, the things that um, our carnal nature really enjoys. And so a lot of us agree. There are certain things, even though it's not specific, uh, explicitly stated in scripture, mm-hmm. that a lot of us just won't do because we feel like well, it just doesn't honor the father on this day. It doesn't treat the day any differently from the rest of the week. I put intercourse into that um, category as well. So if we completely, if we didn't have jubilees, I personally would still feel odd about having an intercourse on the Sabbath because yes, it completely takes my focus away from a holy set apart day and puts it totally on myself and my own flesh. And I'd rather not do that on his day. So that's the last thing that I'll say about that particular topic.
0: Okay. Um, I'm looking for, um, a couple of things I wanted to address real quick. Um, Jeremiah 15, 16 is asking, about Matthew 12, 5, about, you know, why did the Pharise- why did Yeshua tell the Pharisees that the mm-hmm. priests break the Sabbath yet are not guilty? Um, I, in Jeremiah 15, 16, respectfully, I'm rewording what you're asking because what you asked is not the actual scripture. So I'm going to actually go to the scripture so that people aren't confused because this is where we get into all types of misunderstandings and arguments is when we ask a question about scripture, but it's not the actual scripture. It's mm-hmm. being misquoted. So let's actually go and look at the actual verses so that people are not confused about this. Um, And this is Jesus, whom is responding in rebuttal to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to trap him, trying to see that he broke Sabbath. But actually, he didn't break Sabbath. He actually just broke the Pharisaical Mm -hmm. oral law, which they had made up. So that's he's he's basically just going against their traditions and they don't like him for it. So here in verse five, he's schooling them on the actual law which they're not keeping and he says or have you not read in the law that this on the sabbath the priests in the temple break the sabbath and are innocent but i say to you that something greater than the temple is here so the idea is what he's talking about that the priest in the temple that was their job remember the levites including the sons of aaron who become the high priesthood they were given that allotment in the torah in the covenant their portion since they didn't get any land they were actually in leviticus 8 they're actually brought to the lord as his portion out of all the tribes of Israel. And so therefore, the other tribes' tithes and offerings would go to supply the needs of the Levites. This is how they got their their food and their ideas, but they also had the cities that were given to them inside of the actual geographical boundaries of inherited land given to the other tribes. So the point is, they got, quote unquote, less of a physical inheritance, but more of a greater authority inheritance in the father's system that he had set up, which was the priesthood. As a result of the way that system works is that they worked in the temple and ministered to the Lord, both the Levites helping the high priests, being the sons of Aaron, um, to do the, their functions all together as a system to, to facilitate the tithes and offerings and the sacrifices brought to them by the other tribes. So as a result of that, they're, they're doing their job on the Sabbath, yeah. te- technically, right? But because they're doing good, they're right. ministering the law of God, which is perfect. And holy and spiritual, as Romans 12, 7 through 4, uh, 7, 12 through 14 tells us, they're not breaking the Sabbath in the in the command, excuse me, they're not breaking the Sabbath in the context that the Pharisees are accusing Yeshua of breaking mm-hmm. the Sabbath. They're just going against the normal order for everybody because from the get-go, the priesthood was already put into a special category that they would be the ones to do the business of the Sabbath. Like the things that had to be done on the Sabbath for the feast days that we read about from the law of God, they were the ones appointed to do that. So technically they're breaking the Sabbath, meaning they're doing what what actually brought them their livelihood, which was to facilitate the, the offerings that were brought to the temple. But yet they're not breaking it because of disregard. They're not breaking it out of disrespect. They're not breaking it because they are not wanting to be in covenant after they already said they wanted to be in covenant. Right. So they're not being a turncoat. They're not breaking it in an evil or negative way. They're literally just, quote unquote, breaking it as a result of the function the father told them they needed to be doing on that day, which is exactly what the angels do on the Sabbath in heaven above. And in their priesthood, they keep the Sabbath. But then there's certain ones of them that are allotted to do priestly duties in the heavenly tabernacle above, just like Yeshua who's a high priest in the Melchizedek priesthood is in the heavenly tabernacle above doing his duties. So that means on Sabbath days, he's overseeing sacrifices done in the heavenly tabernacle. That means on the day of atonement, he's stepping up as the main guy to step before the father and make atonement for all the sins of Israel, both conscious and unconscious. He's the one that's doing actual quote unquote work that's appointed to him on holy convocation sabbath feast days so he's not breaking it either and he's doing these things in heaven so again the context is about yeshua reprimanding the pharisees for a moment where they're trying to entrap him because again like always the enemy tries to redefine these words to to entrap you or to confuse you or to get you off the path and that's what yeshua is having to clarify here
1: yeah the reality is they were working for the lord he's their employer so if your employer you know is literally the father you're doing good on the Sabbath, yeah. you know? So it's kind of hard to break Shabbat when he's the one, yeah. you know, employing you.
0: <laughs> and, and speaking of being clean, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen makes a great comment. Also, she says yeah. that uh, Rachel didn't touch Laban because she was on her monthly woman time. So this is what I think maybe Genesis 35 or, or uh, the point sure. where they leave Laban's house, mm-hmm. you know, in secret. And she takes some of her father's idols and stuff. And so, you know, whether she was truly on, on her woman time or not that's the excuse. oh yeah
1: she did use that excuse. that was the
0: excuse she used not to get off the the donkey right because she was sitting on the idols hiding them but um the point is laban accepted that because that was the cultural understanding mm-hmm. and th- this now she's saying there was no temple back then technically no there was no temple that's explained to us in, in exodus and leviticus there was actual buildings that priests ministered in um, this is what it's explained, it's explained not just in Jubilees but also ref, it's inferred in Genesis but it's explained better in Jubilees yeah and so, I think
1: that actually lends to our point with what right. that other person was saying that right. there doesn't necessarily have to be a tabernacle for you to be concerned about you know being right.
0: clean yeah it's the heart it's the heart of the matter are you trying to keep the father's ways or not yeah. that's that's what he's told us from the beginning he's given us these two practice to do so it's you know we get better at them as we practice them over time.
1: Oh, um Godsman one forty four thousand must be new to our channel.
0: He's not, but he disagrees with us on some oh, things. It's okay. okay. It's okay. Um Godsman, yes, I've done actual videos on this. It's actually in my Torah Podgelic Torah Podge- I can't even speak. Torah Apologetics series. It's it's uh check my playlist out and I explain it in great depth. Um I've actually done podcasts on this. Um I can't remember the name of them right now, but um there's actually I'm talking, let me go to this real quick so I can show you the actual um video that i'm talking about and i'll drop the chat i'll drop the link in the chat for you in my playlist and tour apologetics let me find it real quick where'd it go there it is so this is the one that i did with the with russ the southern baptist minister okay here it is okay let me put this on screen for you brother um So this is, Are There Sacrifices in Heaven? This is me speaking with a Southern Baptist minister about this. I'll put the link in the chat for you. Anyone's interested? You go watch that. I just dropped it for you. Okay, brother? And that way you can go check it out. I go through all the scriptures. I explain it to him because he has a traditional mainstream view. He did some th- he thinks that sacrifices are over. He doesn't understand that there are actual animals in heaven, that they follow the law in heaven. There's a temple in heaven that Hebrews 8, 1 through 5 literally tells you there's sacrifices being performed by Yeshua in heaven. You just have to, to understand the language it's using. It helps to know Leviticus and Numbers. So I go over all this stuff in great detail. I just gave you a short synopsis, but this is a much Much more in-depth video I just dropped in the chat for you. Go check that out when you have a chance. Okay, brother?
1: Yeah, and sacrifices and the priesthood ceasing on earth for a time has no effect on what happens in heaven and the Father's law being kept in heaven. His law is kept in heaven no matter what's going on on the earth. So,
0: Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: Okay, do we we want to? Oh, we need to finish that We need to finish
0: (laughs) Jubilee's uh, chapter 50. I'm getting back to it. So, all right. so. OK, so here um, in verse eight, it says, and the man that does any work on it shall die. Whoever desecrates that day, whoever lies with his wife, whoever says he will do something on it, that he will set out on a journey thereon in regard to any buying and selling. It literally tells mm-hmm. you in the wording right here, if you set out on a journey, which is travel mm-hmm. in regard, in the context of buying and selling, yeah. you're going out to do business, you going on a business trip. That's all it's talking about, mm-hmm. guys. And whoever draws water thereon, which he would not prepared for himself on the sixth day, whoever takes up any burden to carry it out of his tent or out of his house shall die. Okay, so this is this is not meaning that you can't pour you a glass of water on the Sabbath.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, why yeah. would you draw water? Just like you would make a fire, you use it for your business, guys. There's so many industries that need water for their business, so they would have to bring water mm-hmm. to their house. Because remember, back in these days, they didn't have strip malls. They didn't have these large industrial parks where you would have business, multiple businesses set up. Your business was at your house. That was usually where everyone's business Mm -hmm. was. Yes, there were local bazaars where you would have a gathering of fruit stands and meat markets. But the majority of all industry and business that was taking place happened at people's houses. So this was, you know, we have to kind of remember the old school setting, I guess. Um, it also says that um, verse nine, you shall do no work, whatever on the Sabbath day, except for that's what this word "save" what ye that means, except for you shall do no work, whatever on the Sabbath day, except for what you've prepared for yourself on the sixth day as to eat and drink. This means you're doing right work there. on the Sabbath yep. right here in regards to cooking food. You shall not do any work on the Sabbath except for the work that you do in preparing yourselves on the sixth day to eat and drink and rest. See what I'm saying? Yep. So this is, this is why it's called a feast day. It means you cook food that day, not the day before. It's okay to cook food. That's yeah. not a job. That's not it's not a vocation or an occupation. You won't be breaking the Sabbath to make a meal for your family. Yeah. It's very simple, guys. It's not a burden. You don't have to eat cold strombone or whatever yeah. the next day. It's you just relax and enjoy yourselves and focus on God. And then it goes on to say, uh, keep Sabbath from all the work to bless the Lord your God who's given you a day of festival. That means feasting. Mm-hmm. And a set-apart day, a day of the set-apart kingdom for all Israel in this day among their days forever. For And this is why he's t- tying it to the kingdom, right? Yep. Verse 10, for great is the honor which the Lord has given to Israel that they should eat and drink and be satisfied on this festival day and rest thereon from all labor which belongs to labor of the children of men, except for burning frankincense and bringing oblations and sacrifices before the Lord for days and for Sabbaths. This is what Jeremiah 15, 16's question was earlier about the priests, right? Mm-hmm. They actually have a job to do on that day. Verse 11, this work alone should be done on the Sabbath days in the sanctuary of the Lord, your God, that they may atone for Israel. So what's Yeshua doing in Matthew 12, 5? He's referencing Jubilees fifty eleven, which the Pharisees wanted to ignore. But if they had just read this verse right here, He would have said, or have you not read in the law Mm -hmm. that the priests break the Sabbath? It's being talked about literally right here. Verse 11, this work alone shall be done on the Sabbath days in the sanctuary of the Mm -hmm. Lord. That's where the priests would work that they may atone for Israel with sacrifice continually from day to day for memorial well-pleasing before the Lord. Guys, what do you think happens in heaven above in the tabernacle in heaven above? God doesn't keep a different set of rules in heaven. Mm -hmm. He keeps the same rules he gave for mankind to practice on the earth. He keeps them in heaven. God does not change. He is unchanging and his son Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same concept. He's a faithful priest who's constantly doing his priestly duty in the heavenly tabernacle above with the angelic priesthood, which is why Anyway, I I, <laughs> yeah. I I can't go into it again. I've done so many videos on this, yeah. but this is why the priesthood is one of our fundamental branches in the context tree. If you don't understand the priesthood, put down the book of Hebrews, put down the New Testament, go back and learn Leviticus and Numbers in great depth. And the book of Jubilees, honestly, verse 12. It says in every man who does any work thereon, we're still in the context of work, right? right. Goes on a journey. That's for work. Not, not yeah. Because it was
1: just mentioned right before right. Up above. Because they're obviously going to go on a journey to get to the tabernacle and do their right. holy convocation with everybody.
0: Deuteronomy fourteen. There's yeah. e- there's even special provisions allowed for mm-hmm. you going on a long journey to get to the tabernacle. Does this mean, sweetie, that I can't go visit my family several states away on the Sabbath
1: day? No. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you can go ha- hang out with your family, or you yeah. can go to a graduation, or you you know what I'm saying yeah. you can relax, guys. This is not supposed to be a day. Of rest, not a burden. Right. This means don't work for profit. That's the stuff that is considered a burden or a laborious activity amongst the children of men. Um, You can also it says don't also till your farm, whether it's in his house or any other place. And whoever lights a fire also in regards to work, whatever vocation you're in or rides any beast. Why would you do that?
1: they're supposed to be resting on that day too.
0: That's what Exodus 20 says. But also you would ride a beast to a different place or a town because you're pulling a cart because you're taking products somewhere. You're trying to earn a profit for something. Also, you travel by ship on the sea. Why? Because you're going on a business trip. Or whoever strikes or kills anything. Why? Because you're going out to hunt for stuff that you should have already taken care of to bring inside your house to eat and drink the other six days out of the week.
1: Yeah, you can swat a mosquito if you need to. (laughs) And,
0: and people would go hunt and sell it at the meat market for profit. Right. Right. Or who slaughters a beast, right? That's a butcher. Mm -hmm. Don't work that day. Um, Or whoever catches an animal or that's a trapper. That's Mm -hmm. a professional hunter who would catch for profit. Right. So this is, yeah, you can go like if you're if you're out in the woods and it's a survival situation. Yeah. We're not saying that you can't if you haven't caught enough food for six days and it's the Sabbath. You're not saying you got to go hungry for 24 hours. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can, This is all in the context of actually making a profit in your livelihood of working. Um, it says or whoever. Here's the big one.
1: Yes. Another big one.
0: Whoever fasts, you're not supposed to fast on the Sabbath. Why?
1: Well, what is it called? A festival, a hall of accommodation, a
0: feast day. It's a day you're supposed to enjoy a meal and think about the Father. In heaven, you're going to be having a meal with the Father. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be fasting in heaven. This is, again, practicing the behavior you'll be doing for eternity. So in heaven, you're not going to step up to the wedding supper of the Lamb or to any, any Sabbath feast day that you can go hang out with the Father and the Son and the angels and say, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to eat with you today. I'm having a. He's like, how dare you insult me? This is our fellowship meal. We're supposed to eat together. This is the this is the law of God. This is my behavior. This is what I enjoy doing.
1: Yeah, Yeshua mentions actually to the disciples or people who were arguing with him about his disciples the Pharisees um, that uh, when we're in the presence of the bride, bridegroom, we won't fast. That's right. So if if the Sabbath prophetically symbolizes our the thousand year millennial reign that thousand year sabbath day that we are looking forward to fasting is not one of the things that we're going to do when we're in the kingdom now this also brings up one other argument that people like to use what about yeshua moses and elijah Mm -hmm. all fasting for 40 days
0: or or also ezra or also that Abraham. would yeah,
1: because that would include <laughs> Sabbaths. Yeah. So what did Yeshua say? It's lawful to
0: do good on the Sabbath. what were all those people in those special circumstances doing when they fasted for 40 days? They were instructed by the Father mm-hmm. to go into his presence, yep. which is the epitome of doing good. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean. Yeah. So this is this is an idea where yes, the Father is is taking them for their prophets in the specific specific cases. Um, some of them was for their own protection. Some of them was to receive a word from him, which was super important. Yep. Right. Um, it talks about Moses, not even being hungry the 40 days. He was up there. You know what I'm saying? He actually did it twice. He did it right. a total of 80 days. Um, not in the same back to back, but still like he did it twice. So the, the point is like, this is the general rule. The father, of course, at any time, if he asks you to do something, you're now a minister of him in agency of what he's asked you to do. And that is only going to be good for the purpose of good, and so therefore you're not breaking the Sabbath in a um, in a negative way. You're breaking the Sabbath in order to do good. So therefore, it's just a, a level of priority that basically gets superseded. Same with Yeshua, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, uh, Ezra, all these guys that did this.
1: And this is just another further proof that we are not to fast on the day mm-hmm. of Atonement. That is a uh, a tradition from Judaism right. based on their interpretation of the word afflict, referring to afflicting your souls. Nowhere, anywhere does it say you shall fast on this day That's right. of atonement.
0: Which so. is exactly why the same guys who made up that false rule reject the book of Jubilees because mm-hmm. the book of Jubilees outright tells you the meaning. And yeah. Jubilee 16, it tells you the meaning of the day of atonement. And it's to reflect and be afflicted for your own sin yeah. and to reflect on your own sin. But it doesn't mean you have to fast that day. It's a day of feasting. It's a, it's a also a day of, you know, it's a normal day. It's it's not like it's a Sabbath. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying it's like it's, it's, um, it's not specifically called a feast day, but it's not a day that you would fast because you're not supposed to fast on any of the Sabbaths.
1: And I would say the one thing about the Day of Atonement, it is a little different from the other feast days, only in the sense of, mm-hmm. There's supposed to be a different attitude for that particular day where you're mourning over your sin and you are, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: repent, you know, returning yourself to committing yourself to repentance. And there's supposed to be um, an aspect of um, a a solemn it should Mm -hmm. be solemn all the other feasts are these joyous rejoice be happy excited do fun exciting things you know to celebrate that day decorate and things like that day of atonement is that one day where you reflect on the solemn nature of your sin and your fallen flesh and the fact that you know our high priest had to go through what he had to go through to Mm -hmm. help us out with all that so yeah
0: and its origins even came from Uh, Joseph and the solemnness that Jacob felt thinking that Joseph was dead. So like there's, there is a history there that's explained to you Mm -hmm. from the patriarchs that the Pharisees in the first century wanted you not to know. So they put that book out of the canon and they told people not to read it. In fact, they told people that if you do read it, you're not going to get eternal life. That's how much they were trying to keep people away from this knowledge because various reasons I've already said, one of them, the biggest one being they wanted to change the calendar. So um, this is, this is the next thing I want to put up here, though, is the whoever makes war on the Sabbath. And we get this a lot um, because people think, well, what about, oh, my goodness, Sean, but what about Jericho? When the, when mm-hmm. the Israelites were told to, to, for seven days to march around Jericho, like there was a, you know, it doesn't tell us which day they started the seven day process. Mm-hmm. So either way, you're going to run into a Sabbath over a period of seven days, no matter which day of the week you start it. So the, the point is, these guys, they're not going to war when just by walking around, you see what I'm saying? They marched out. for one, it doesn't technically say they were in battle gear, but that's a different, different, you know, caveat. But two, just to be told to go walk around the city. That was literally right next to where they were camping. Yeah, They didn't fight anybody that, you know what I'm saying? Now on the seventh day, when the walls fell in and they went in and took care of everybody, this is, this is where they did have their swords. And they actually did kill people on that day. What I'm thinking is that, they were actually killing the people that had already died or that were dying i should say from all the city falling on them right but that the seven day process it wasn't started i mean it could easily be avoided by the father not starting that process on a first day of the week so that by the seventh day when when they actually did actually do any kind of warlike mater, uh, behavior it's not technically on a sabbath does that make any sense it yes. could have just happened on a Thursday, guys. Yes.
1: Ultimately, if the father is directly commanding right. them to do this, they are doing good because it's a command coming from him. So yeah,
0: ultimately, but I'm whether, saying you can yeah. get around it t- technically, too. It just doesn't matter because the text does not tell us. Right. So there's a lot of speculation that's brought to that. That's sure. what I'm getting at. Um, all right. So then goes on to finish out in verse 13, just saying the man who does. Any of these things on the Sabbath shall die. So the children of Israel shall observe the Sabbaths according to the commandments regarding the Sabbaths of the land as it's written in the tablets which he gave into my hands that I should write out for you the laws of the seasons and the seasons according to the division of their days. So it's it's just, uh, there's hopefully, I think we've covered almost all the main objections, the main questions. We've covered the heart and the spirit of keeping the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. The reason that it's a sign of the covenant, the technical origins of it, Um, As well as some of the the little detailed instructions for how we practice in anticipation of the kingdom. Um, And we even got because of some of the questions we got to address um, some of Yeshua trying to explain through bad doctrine how to properly keep the Sabbath and in the right heart how to do it. Is there anything else you want to mention?
1: Um, High Sabbaths. So a lot of people have asked us for a video specifically on how to, when it comes to keeping the feasts. Um, and we figured we'll just throw it in here because the feasts are Sabbaths. So ultimately, um, we just wanted to let you guys know what we do for the feast days. Cause that's the big question we get all the time. How do you guys observe these? And, again, it comes down to remembering the context of the fact that we are dispersed among the nations right now. So there are certain things that we cannot do according to the letter. So everything we do to keep a feast is an honoring and a remembrance of what actually literally happens in the scriptures. So there's no checklist that you need to have specifically for the feast days. Um, However you, however you find that it works for your family to honor a feast day, you know, be in prayer about that. But for me and Sean, we treat it like a Sabbath so we don't work, um, no intercourse, um, no buying, no selling, all of that basic stuff. But then we have a special meal. Um, typically we'll do lamb for the feast days because that's you know one of the things that was sacrificed in scripture for those days. If we ever get the hookup on some goat meat. Locally, we might look into that. Um, So, but basically, we just we do a special meal. Um, We don't watch secular worldly things. We play worship music. We read scriptures. Um, Usually, we'll read the scriptures that pertain to that particular feast day. Um, And then sometimes we may, you know, meet up with a couple of very close friends um, online and do a a short study together. Um, And that's pretty much what we do. I mean, you get into Sukkot, you can get into You know, um, if you want to go pay and have a place where you leave where you live to go camp for a week, you can do that if you want. You can camp in your yard if you don't have a yard and you just set up a tent in your house. I mean, you're you're honoring these things that we can't do literally to the letter. So, again, it's about being laid back and relaxed about it for us, particularly, and just finding a good balance and not fretting. If it's on the exact correct day, if I'm doing this exactly correctly, if I'm eating the right kind of whatever for my meal, you know, I mean, because we aren't actually living in the land and living according to the letter of the five books, plus Julie's the six books, um, there are just things that we're not going to be able to do. And that's okay. Father wants our hearts. So if you're if you're not working on that day and you're trying to do something special to set that day apart and honor him and his special times, that's what matters to him right now. So that's. Our feast days in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Someone has a question. Uh, great. Thank you for answering that Great, sweetie. Someone's asking, MPMP is asking, does it matter which day you use is the Sabbath day? Some say it's Sunday. Some say Saturday. Some say Wednesday. Is our Sunday the correct day to timeline uses? <laughs> Saturday, guys, the seventh day of the week. It's in Genesis chapter two. It's the very first verse we started out with. I'm not sure if you got here a little late to the broadcast. Please watch the whole thing in PMP and it will give you a full on answer as far as the origins of the Sabbath. But real quick, I want to encourage everyone, if you want to, there's a big debate that rages amongst Torah observant people about, you know, what day the Sabbath is and whether it's a lunar Sabbath on the 8th the 15th, 22nd, 29th, or if it's actually every seven days of the week. And there's a lot of different, you know, arguments that are brought to the table because of that. And I just want to encourage everyone, our, our buddy Adam um, Fink at Parable of the Vineyard has done an incredible video on this. If you guys haven't seen this, I highly encourage it. I'm putting it in the chat right now. Please go check it out if you haven't seen it. And it is called Lunar Sabbath Day or Seventh Day Cycle. OK, so go check this out during the video to, to answer your question as far as is it Saturday or Sunday or what. During your video, he shows you a historical breakdown of all the languages and where the, the word Shabbat branched out. Into very similar words in all these different languages, and it's always the word for the seventh day of the week. It's never the word for Wednesday. It's never the word for Monday. It's never the word for Friday or Sunday. So this this whole you know the, this whole argument that Christianity through literally through Catholicism they announced like was it the 10th century or, or Pope Pope Ten the Pious or whatever Pope Pius the 10th or something like that in the in the 10th century or something like that. He actually tried to make a public statement that the Catholic Church had changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday to what they call the Lord's Day. That's not in Scripture anywhere, guys, anywhere. The Sabbath is eternal. Leviticus 23. It's not changing. It's not going away. And it's always the seventh day of the week. So that's what you're actually seeing on screen is in all these other languages all throughout the world. The seventh day of their week is always a variant form of the Hebrew word Shabbat. It's the same concept because all the languages knew what this was at the Tower of Babel in Mm -hmm. Genesis 11. They all knew what Shabbat was. Guys, in the book of First Enoch, which is supposedly information written before the flood, which is before the Tower of Babel, the terminology of Shabbats is used. The terminology of the Moedins, the feast days, the Sabbath days is used. And it is the the calendar and the, the behavior that Enoch followed and was teaching to mankind because it's the eternal law of God. It doesn't change. It's always been this way since the beginning, and it's never going to change in the millennial reign when the Father brings his kingdom back and the Son and the angels are coming back and everyone and the kingdom of heaven is on earth. Everyone will be following a seventh day Shabbat. It's going to be very simple, no burden, a beautiful thing. So be encouraged. Um, Go check that video out if you want more information specifically on that. Okay, brother, I hope that helps you. Or sister, I don't know what MPMP means, so I'm sorry. Um, Other than that, we appreciate everyone being here. We hope everyone has a great Shabbat. You know, um, as you enjoy your rest today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: and uh, if you've already had sex in the last 18 hours, yeah. don't don't worry about it, man. Just yeah. you know, you're practicing. You're we practicing. We have a high
1: priest in heaven who he is knows. faithful to cleanse us of unrighteousness and yes. forgive us of our sins. This
0: is why First John one nine we confess our sins mm. to our high priest. He is faithful. Yeah. He will. So this is just be 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 cool and just now you know what to practice. Ultimately, sundown's coming soon.
1: Ultimately, we just want everybody to remember that the, the Sabbath is a delight. So, if you're starting to get to a point where you are panicking about things that you think are you're doing that are breaking the Sabbath, or you know your husband wants to do such and such at so and so's you know gathering, and you are you don't want to, it's okay. You can be relaxed about it. Not so relaxed that you're not keeping Sabbath, obviously. Right. But we. Our Sean and I like to focus on helping people, helping talk people down from the ledge of legalism and getting way too worried about doing things to the letter when the reality is there are just some things that we won't be able to do until we get there. So we honor them in the best way that we know how. Mm -hmm. Again, if you don't like to do dishes on Shabbat, don't do them on Shabbat. Wait till the sun goes down or the sun comes up, whichever day, whichever way you're keeping it. Um, But if your neighbor does do their dishes on Shabbat, don't tell them they're in sin. So that's really what we're trying to help people find the balance with is there is a certain level of personal conviction that goes on with a lot of these things that aren't explicitly spelled out for us in scripture since we live in modern times and there are modern issues that didn't exist back then. Um, And ultimately, it's just going to come down to your relationship with the father. But just make sure you stay intellectually honest with the text when you're talking about it with other people. If something is not listed as a sin, uh, in the six books of the Torah, don't make it up. Don't, don't make it don't, a sin. This is what Judaism did. Yeah. You, for yourself, if it's something you personally feel convicted about and you don't want to do on that day, fine. Um, one thing I did want to mention, um, before I forget from Jubilee is it talks about tilling, um, your field that is in the context of work. Some people really find, um, tending to their gardens outside in their backyard to be very relaxing and something that brings them closer to the father. And I'm one of those people. I actually don't mind weeding at certain times. Sometimes I feel like it's, I, I call it my God time sometimes cause I, you know, thank him for what he's provided me through that garden, things like that. I don't sell any of my food for my garden. That's purely for, uh, you know, for us to eat and the flowers and things like that are for our pleasure because they mm-hmm. look pretty and things like that. So anyone who may have noticed the no tilling your um, field, just remember that's also in the context of work. I mean, because right, the farmers would yeah, sell their you, produce exactly. for a profit. I mean, it's, but if you like to go yeah. out and tend to your garden on Shabbat right. in the morning, after you've had your coffee or something like that, don't, and you're feeling weird about it. That's that particular verse is in the context of work and actually a big mm-hmm. farm. So. Yes,
0: that's right. Um, thank you, Marie. We appreciate your your donation. We do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Miss Vicki, she's like she thinks dusting is work. Hey, when I was a kid, I had to dust uh, our house. Every Wednesday was my chore to dust um, all the living room and the house. And like I, I did uh, the laundry. I vacuumed. I dusted. And then when my parents got divorced, I had two houses to do plus the lawn, and I mowed the lawns for both of them too, until my dad ended up moving when I was like 13. so But there was a time period for like three or four years where I'm doing the dishes, I'm doing dusting, I'm vacuuming, I'm folding the laundry and putting it away in people's drawers in their rooms, which is like a whole separate process. And I'm weeding in and mowing the lawn for both houses. Like it was just, uh, man. So I understand that housework can sometimes feel like a chore. It can feel like, quote unquote, work. I just use the term housework but it's not the same context of what's being instructed on the Sabbath as far as you know just you're you're not working for money unless you're made and then don't work on that right. day right but in your own home just to keep it nice and you know so it makes you feel good and you keep things picked up um that's not working for occupation so yeah,
1: like. I'm a I'm a housewife, you know. I uh, you know, I keep our house, you know, in order all throughout the week. I take a break from some of that stuff on Shabbat, but right now there's definitely a full hamper that I want to get thrown in the lo- the washing machine before I forget about it and then look at it on Monday and think, "Great, now I don't have any clean clothes." So, you know, there's a balance there. I don't like to walk into my kitchen have it the counters covered with, you know, the the dishes from breakfast. So, I like to Rinse those off and put them in the dishwasher on the sh- on Shabbat. But then there are other things I'm not going to vacuum today. You know, I mean, there are other You're things that woman. No, there's other <laughs> things I won't do. And I won't make my jewelry today. That is the work right. that I do that I, to make money from. Right. So um, and one thing I'll be honest with you guys about. I struggle um, in my heart, and if you would pray for me about this, I would appreciate that. I really enjoy my vocation. I I love making my jewelry, and so she I does. struggle. I have, to, I
0: have to give her that loving hug. <laughs> and be like, "Hey, sweetie."
1: It's, it's which what, what doing? doing? sun's sweetie? down, babe. What doing? down, and I'm you. still like, I've got a little bit of I sunlight love you. left. Aren't you so
0: ready to celebrate Shabbat? Aren't we so ready to relax?
1: I struggle. Some people might look at the people being, um, you know, uh, reprimanded by Nehemiah. How dare they want to get back to work? Don't you just love the Sabbath? And I can somewhat identify with thinking, when's the sun going to go down? Because I want to finish that pendant I was working on. So, I'm being honest with you guys. That's my struggle with Shabbat. You know, I struggle in my heart. I I don't struggle with mechanically keeping it, but definitely the thoughts that I have in my heart about wanting to get back to my vocation that I love. It's easy to take a day off when you hate your job, but you know, when you really love what you do, that can be a struggle. So,
0: you know, before I was faithfully keeping Sabbath, I had a job where I couldn't keep Sabbath, Mm -hmm. but I'd already come to the realization scripturally understanding it in my heart and my mind that I wanted to keep it. But yet I was, you know, managing this store where I had we, it was a sales position. You had to be there on Saturday. Yeah. That was a big day where you made a lot of your sales and your income. And so it was for like two years. Yeah. I was conflicted inside, trying to pray constantly, Father, help me get into a position where this employer will let me take Saturday off or let me make all my sales, you know, my other days working so I can take this day off and justify it, or help me get a different job. He ended up helping me get a different job, ultimately. So that was a blessing. But there was two years that I was in my heart wanting to practice this, not seeing a a way to do it with my current life and job and then praying to the father. Help me keep this better. Help me uh, come into more alignment with this, with your behavior. And he did. He brought that prayer true. So there's a lot of you out there that are in that situation right now. Don't feel guilt. Pray to the father to make a way. He made a way for me. But it took two years, guys. So. I had to, you know, I was showing him I was serious. Mm-hmm. I want to do this, but I need you to make a way. He did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just be encouraged if possible. Yeah.
1: Yep. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone. We've out covered everything.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, it's a a good kickstart to your your Sabbath uh, day or morning, wherever you are across the country.
1: Yeah. If you're keeping Trumpet Day, I know a lot of people yeah. are on that calendar. Have a great yep. feast today. Enjoy happy yourselves. Di- Trumpet Day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, thanks
1: for joining us, everyone.
0: We appreciate you, and we're gonna we're gonna go relax. We're gonna enjoy our Shabbat.
1: We're gonna go rest.
0: (laughs) So we hope you do too. We'll see you here next time.
1: See you guys. Bye Bye.